Uh, reading is coming from uh, Acts uh, chapter 1, and uh, it's a, uh, some verses I've read a lot of times, um, but there's some things in there that over the last several weeks have really uh, struck me. So if you would, please stand for this reading. In my former book, Uh, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. May God bless the reading of his word. So what in the world is going to happen in the next 40 days? Well, some of you have an idea of what your next 40 days look like. Um, We have some seniors who will be graduating. And so seniors become graduates in the next 40 days. Uh, School will be done in the next 40 days. I expect there will be a little more excitement about that in second service than in this one. Vacations will take place in the next 40 days. Who knows what will play out on the world stage in the next 40 days? 40 days from now, we have a group that right now is planning to be in Honduras. So a lot of things will happen in the next 40 days. 40 days. The world's been flooded in 40 days, right? The disciples find themselves at this space of 40 days after the crucifixion. 40 days after the resurrection. They are in this space coming up, leading up to Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And last week was actually the, the week that the Christian world celebrates Pentecost. And so I'm actually stepping back a little bit to look at this. But the disciples find themselves 40 days after Passover. And a lot has happened in 40 days for them. It's been 40 days of fear. 40 days of confusion, question, surprises, excitement, activity. Jesus, sentenced, 
beaten, crucified. The sky is black. The curtain is torn. The graves broken open. The body is taken. Laid in the tomb. The fear, the anxiety, the questions. For three days. But then there are rumors. What? The body's gone. More rumors. Rumors that he's alive. There's excitement. There's the appearance. He's, he is alive. He breaks bread. He commissions. And now, he's with his disciples again. And the disciples find themselves at this 40-day mark. And now there's so much to do. Have you ever been there? Where you look at your calendar and there is so much to do. And you just think, I just wish I had more hours in the day. And you have the to-do list and you never get to cross it off. You cross one thing off and you add more at the bottom. And maybe you're like I am and you put things on there that you've already done just so you can cross them off. I do. And that's where they find themselves. There's so much to do. They are excited. There is, there's the teachings of Jesus and they want to go teach. There is the, the kingdom to establish. We've got to replace Judas. There's so much to do. And they are so excited and they are rushing forward. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Wait. What? Jesus. And I can just see Peter again. It's so easy to pick on Peter because Peter is like so many of us. And I can just see Peter saying, Jesus, Jesus, I, it's been a rough time for you. We get it. But Jesus, there are things we got to do, okay? Just, we got this now. And Jesus says, wait. Just Wait. We've been there before. The cosmos has been there before. In the very beginning, in the darkness, in the chaos, the darkness waited. The darkness waited for the Father to speak into the world and create. And so, in the beginning, the cosmos waited the Father. Throughout the Old Testament, in the journey of the Israelites, through the wilderness, from, from the enslavement through the wilderness to crossing over into the promised land to the exile, Israel has waited for the Son. And so we've been there before. We've waited for the Father. We've waited for the Son. The Father has spoken. The Son has come. And doesn't it now just make sense that the Son would say, let's wait just a little bit longer? Not easy. 
But that's what Jesus says. The Father has spoken. The Son has come. Now wait for the Spirit. It's at this point where things get kind of, kind of weird for me. None of us like to be told to wait, right? We want things, and in this day and time, we want things and we want them now. The microwave isn't even fast enough for us now, right? If we had to go back to the days of snail mail completely, it would drive us crazy, right? Where you had to actually sit down and write a letter and send it off and wait for somebody to get it and write a letter and send it back. Now we send a text, and if they don't respond within like two minutes, we're like, who do they think they are? We want it now. We don't like to be told to wait. And so I look at this story, and, and I know that there is the significance of Pentecost. It is the celebration of the harvest, and it's the first fruits. And it's also, it also is the time of when the Israelites came to Sinai, and God gave them the Ten Commandments. And it is God giving his people what they need to live and to be his people and to fulfill his mission. I get the significance of Pentecost, and it makes sense to me that the Spirit would come on Pentecost. What doesn't make sense to me is Jesus could have waited, he could have waited until Pentecost Eve, right? And said, okay, all right, guys, tomorrow morning this is going to happen. Now, if you were like I was when I was a kid, couldn't sleep through Christmas Eve, the disciples probably would have been that, like that as well. Oh, boy, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, here it comes. But it's ten days. It's ten days from when Jesus says, wait, until he delivers. Ten days of waiting. And waiting can seem like an eternity, right? So why? Why did Jesus say to wait and give them ten days to do that? One, and there are a number of things. I'll tell you, in studying for this, this lesson, I think I've come up with about a four- or five-week series on Holy Spirit, so uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But, and I'm not going to try to give you four or five weeks this morning. But just one thing about waiting. When we wait on God, when we move to that place where we are at least somewhat content with waiting on God, God begins to do an incredible thing within us. And He shapes and changes and reforms who we are as a people in the midst of that waiting. That waiting is not a time of passivity. It's not a time where we're just sitting going, it's, we're not Forrest Gump on the park bench. We are, we are active but in that waiting, God himself is acting, active and shaping and changing who we are. See, if we don't wait, if, if the apostles just move forward, then, and we call it this, the book of Acts is Acts. But if you look at the little subtitles on the little words, the Acts 
of the apostles. I challenge that. I don't believe Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. I think it would have been had they not waited. But the book of Acts is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so as we wait, it becomes not us moving forward, but it becomes God in the very presence of God. But waiting's not easy, right? Um, you know, San Angelo traffic... That's a, that's a statement that Shelley and I make somewhat sarcastically at least once a week. You know, I have had to wait through like three lights cycles at HEB. Can you believe that? Three light cycles, San Angelo traffic. Good grief. That's crazy. And you know what we do when we wait? I know we're not supposed to, and I'm trying not to do this. I'm, I'm trying to like... And I'm getting much better at it. But you know what we do when we're waiting at the light? We're not waiting. We're checking our email. Right? Is any Okay, somebody else there nod your head and go, okay, uh, I, I'm glad to see a lot of you going, no. Like I said, I'm trying to do a lot better at that. But just look around. Look around. And you will see. Everybody's checking, 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 checking. And then, oh, wait, the lights. And then they go. Waiting. It's hard. Waiting is difficult. Waiting until the last day of school. Waiting until your birthday, Carter. Right? It's coming. Waiting until Christmas. Waiting to get married. Waiting is hard. 39 years, Mitch and Debbie. 39 years y'all celebrated yesterday. Waiting up to that time was difficult, but wow, 39 years. Congratulations, by the way. Waiting is so difficult. And we don't wait easy. We wait in unhealthy ways a lot of times. And sometimes we just absolutely fail to wait. Now I'll touch on these quickly. When we fail to wait on God, when we fail to wait on the Holy Spirit... There is a tendency to take things into our own hands. I think the disciples were ready to do that. They still had in their mind their idea of the kingdom. And they were ready to rush forward and take things into their own hands and not wait on the Spirit. When we fail to wait, we settle for a cheap imitation of God's promised and preferred future. All right? When we fail to wait, we settle for a cheap imitation of God's real intentions. And we rush forward. And God's saying, if you would have just waited. When we fail to wait, we choose efficiency over effectiveness. You know, there, there's a job to get done. Let's get this done. We can, we've got, we can do this, this, and this. We cross it off our list, and it's completely done. I was at a point of that this week with Senior Slideshow. Uh, this is a big week with all of the senior activities, and the, slide, the pictures were coming in, and it was going to be easy for me to choose 
efficiency over effectiveness and just throw those into a PowerPoint and check it off my list and it's done. Uh, wisdom reigned and uh, Reed is a lot more gifted in technological stuff than I am. And I said, Reed, would you take this? And he said, sure. And he spent hours on it. And our seniors are going to have a much better slideshow. But when we fail to wait on the Spirit, we choose what is efficient over what is effective. Church was never designed to be efficient. Businesses are efficient. Well, sometimes. Church is messy. We are messy people. And finally, a failure to wait leads us to simply run ahead of the Spirit. This, is, this is, just makes sense. It's common sense, but it, it's hard. We cannot be led by the Spirit if we get out in front of the Spirit. But when we wait well, we learn to seek God. We slow down. We breathe. And we seek His power and His presence. We invite Him to reform us and reshape us. When we wait well, our priorities and agendas fade to the background. And the priorities of God bubble to the surface. When we wait well, our priorities and agendas fade away. The priority of God emerges. And finally, when we wait well, anticipation and expectancy burst forth in joyful exuberance. I want to say that again. When we wait well, anticipation and expectancy burst forth in joyful exuberance. And we are known as people who anticipate and who are joyful and filled with praise and glory and honor because of what God is doing and what God is about to do. And then, when the Spirit comes. When the Spirit comes... When we have waited well in that season, we find life. We find relationship with a triune God. Before the Spirit came, there was Father and Son, two in relationship. But with the advent of the Spirit... Now there's this triangulation of relationship. And the purpose of the Spirit was to invite and is to invite us into this dynamic dance of the Trinity. This dynamic relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. And so when we wait on the Spirit, we actually find relationship. And the Spirit becomes our mediator our connector, our go-between, the one who connects humanity and God. And we are empowered by the very breath of God.
Ruah. The breath of God that empowers us. Empowers us. I appreciated Roy's sermon this morning where he talked about the power of God's creation and that power of creation, that power of God, that breath of God is breathed into us by the Holy Spirit and we find power that is not of this world and the Spirit will not be contained. Look over in Acts chapter 2 how it, what it's related to. Wind and fire... Can we control the wind? No. How difficult is it to contain fire? Several years ago, we had the wildcat cat fire up here north of San Angelo towards Robert Lee Water Valley. It burned for what? They fought it for nine, ten days. And for weeks afterwards, we could still see smoke and smell the smoke. And you drive up there today and you can still see the effect of the fire The spirit, wind, and fire will not be contained. But we have to wait for the spirit. Seems like I'm, I always tell a storm story. When I was a kid um, living in Snyder, our our house uh, faced east. And to the east you could see about 30 miles And then you looked out the west and you could see about 35 or 40 miles into Borden County. And when I was a kid, I would get up in the morning, especially in the summer, spring and summer, and summer when we didn't have school, and I'd get up in the morning, and I was outside all day. There was no reason to be inside. We didn't have computers and games and all that, and we only got two stations, and that was on a good day. So I was outside all day. And I'd get up in the morning and and begin kind of checking the weather, because that's what I did. That's what I still do. And I could tell there's moisture in the air. And all day long, you could kind of sense the storms are forming. And there were some of those days where you could sense it, and you could actually see them beginning to build up on the western horizon. And all day long, those clouds would bubble up and begin rolling in. And all day long, just the anticipation and knowing, knowing that it's coming. And a day of watching and waiting. I love storms. Watching and waiting and anticipating. And seeing that storm coming and the skies going dark. And then finally, the wind stops. And the air is heavy. And the birds stop singing. And you can sense it and feel it. And it's coming. And then you see the dust beginning to kick up on the horizon. That storm starting to roll across the cotton fields. And then there's a hint. That just slight cooling of the air. And the windmill changes and creaks. And you get the the sniff, that, that essence of rain. And then it hits. To wait on the Spirit. To sit here in this time and place. 
as the people of God and to say we're not going to rush. We're going to wait. And to stop. And allow God to shape us and mold us and prepare us to be ready for what He wants to do with His people in this place and in this community. And so we wait. Our ways are not His ways. And so we wait. Our wisdom is foolishness compared to His wisdom. And so we wait. And we find ourselves at times in darkness and chaos. And so we wait. And our journey often leads us to places of bondage and slavery and into a dry and barren land. And so we wait. And we hunger for the life-giving, soul-releasing breath of God. And so, faithfully, in faith, knowing that just as Jesus was true to His promise, Father, is treated his. And so we wait. <laughs>